record. Okay, good morning or good afternoon to all of you guys that are tuning into Pariah Nation today. Today we have a very special guest by the name of the Nilotic Princess, also known as Michelle Abieru. And uh, today we are basically going to be talking about um, police brutality, uh, not just focusing on the USA, but we're gonna, also going to focus a bit on uh, Kenya. We're also going to talk about um, you know Hong Kong, and we're also going to talk about the US, just as like a as a like a major like study as well. So very briefly, would you just like to introduce yourself? Tell us a bit about yourself. What do you do? What do you stand for? And what's your view on police brutality in general around the world? Okay, so hi, my name is Michelle Abiero. I am from Kenya. I am a mental health activist. I do a lot of activism on mental health and ensure more people are educated on mental health. And aside from that, I would describe myself as a human rights activist. So basically advocating for basic human rights, like the rights to life, which has clearly mm. been denied on instances of police brutality. Now, being mm. Kenyan, um, police brutality isn't something foreign to me. It's something I have seen and witnessed. I have heard of stories and it's something that we have to get accustomed to, sadly, or rather we've been told we have to get accustomed to. Let's mm -hmm. take a trip back to 2007, post-election violence. Um, it was one of the saddest times in Kenyan history. So many lives were lost. I don't have the numbers in my head, but anyway, so many lives were lost. So many girls and women were raped. Um, properties were destroyed. We had people becoming IDPs and all that. And it was a very sad time in Kenya's history. And it was sadly due to tribalism and political issues and political tension. And yeah, we had to get used to it, sadly. And that's, that's the mentality we're taught that, you know, you guys have to get used to it, that police are, you know, brutal. And the fact that we've always been taught that you need to fear the police. You know, you're not, you don't, when you see a police officer, you don't see them as someone who's equal to mm. you. You fear them because we try to avoid interactions with police as much as possible. Trust me, if I run into a problem here, I'll not look for the police as the first option. That is probably my last resort. So, yeah. Yeah, facts, facts, major facts. And even just commenting more on that. I think um, we don't even need to go as far back as 2008, despite the fact that, of course, it was a horrific experience. And obviously, police were given some sort of like, you know, major powers during that time. Obviously, there was a lot of killing that was happening. So it's understandable. But the problem is like, you know, that idea of power, it's like uh, the famous quote says, you know, great power comes with great responsibility. And as we've seen during this COVID-19, mm -hmm. you know, time, when the curfews were first being enforced <clears throat> you could clearly see people just getting beaten and i believe there were some very graphic stories i'll have to really confirm if this one is true but what i heard um is that one woman from mombasa i believe it was or somewhere else was on the way she was basically giving labor like um, she was in labor right she was giving birth right and um she was on the way to the hospital and the police were like oh no it's past curfew and they just beat both of them and um, I'm not really sure what happened to the baby, but obviously, like, I'll need to look more into that story. But I definitely, like, agree with you. Like, this whole idea of police brutality is not foreign to Kenyans. It really isn't. Because, again, this is not the first time that this is happening. The whole coffee thing has... How many lives have been lost during this coffee period? It's only been, like, two, three months since the coffee was instated in Kenya. And yet over 10 lives have been lost, if I'm not wrong. Mm. And you see, the thing is, you really don't have to use force in such an instance. Fine, someone has gone against a public law that you're not supposed to be out of your house at 7 p.m. But please try and understand the circumstances that led to somebody being outside their home at 7 p.m. Because trust me, no Kenyan wants to have the, an interaction with a police officer at 7 p.m. I wouldn't want to have one. For example, mm. we had someone who... I. It was trending on social media and this man was beaten up and the images were so graphic. Yet this mm -hmm. man had come late from hustling because right now so many people are trying to ensure that they get some food to eat. It's a really difficult time and a really difficult time for economy, for people who are working, the people who've lost their jobs. I'm not excusing the fact that people are you know, late for the coffee, but I am understanding. I'm trying to be human to understand why they may have been late for the coffee. So there are other measures, measures you could take before you actually beat up somebody and beat them up to mm. that extent, you know? 
you don't have to use that much force. You don't even have to use force because most of the time, they're not even trying to deny arrest. If you want to arrest us, fine, arrest us, but don't beat us to a point where we're about to die. Yeah. Or we actually die. Yeah, I think it's, I don't know, the problem with police brutality is that um, so many people especially in the police force, like, you know, we have this idea that the police are untouchable. And I think it's the power of the law that's behind them. So even when you kill someone, you're basically, it's not really like that deep because it's like, you know, you you basically um, have the right to use force. Like uh, one of the philosophers, I think I've lost his name right now, but he talked about the state having the, the monopoly on the legitimate use of force. And that's manifesting itself through the police everywhere in the world. And I also just want to briefly talk about a specific case about where that power can literally just be used for anything if it's not checked properly. Like we've recently seen the case of Samuel Minor and the fact that he was just an innocent man trying to walk. And uh, on his way back, I believe when he was heading home, uh, the police had stopped him and they beat him until his nose had broken. And on top of that, they actually stole from him. So they stole his phone and they stole um, his wallet and all that stuff. And what's even worse is that some hospital refused to take him because they thought he was a madman, which is ridiculous in my view. Um, and like, obviously all of these things are happening. It's because when you don't really have the systems and the checks and, checks and balances in place to deal with power, then obviously power becomes very tyrannical if it's put in the hands of the wrong people. Mm-hmm. You brought up some re- like a really, um, really good point. And the point that has struck me the most is when you mentioned the fact that this is a hospital that refused to take him in. Let me, before we get into that, it just reminded mm-hmm. me of a case whereby this young man, I do not remember, I think he was either in TG19 or 2018, but I remember he was studying in the University of Leeds and mm-hmm. he got killed by police officers. I'm not sure if they were ah. brought to justice. You remember that case? I've, I've heard of the case just very roughly, but I, I haven't actually looked into it. I can do some research while you're speaking, though. Yes, um, it, was, it was a very sad case. And we've been crying for justice for this young man because he had not done anything wrong. And you know the worst bit? What annoys me the most is that the fact that they were unarmed. They weren't looking for any trouble. But I remember he was doing... Um, he was studying in the UK and he was killed Mm -hmm. by the police. But when you brought up the issue of a hospital uh, refusing to take this person in, someone minor in, I thought of power. And here's one thing we've realized, especially when it comes to the Kenyan police. Mm -hmm. The thing is race does not have a play in Kenya. It really doesn't because most people in Kenya are actually black. But what has a play is money. There's a lot of classism in Kenya because trust me, if you are in Mm -hmm. the rich or middle upper, you're not going to get treated the same as the common one, aren't you? So we say you're not yeah. gonna get treated if you're in the rich or your upper upper middle. You're going to have so much privilege, you know. The police will mess with you. The police will, you know. It's like ah um ah bossema um ni patitu chai niende. You see, it's mm. usually like that. That's how you ask yeah. for a bri- bribery or something to drink, you know? And for those and who don't understand just... Swahili, um, I will just loosely translate it for you. It's basically language to say that, yeah, let me buy you a drink or let me buy you tea. Or sometimes we say coffee. Um, and that's basically, let me give you some money as a form of a bribe in exchange for something else. But yeah, sorry, yeah, go exactly. But that's, that's a sad case because if you do not have money in Kenya, you will suffer under the hands of the police. You will mm. suffer. Money yeah. plays a huge role. I think I, I definitely agree with that in the sense that even when you're being stopped on the road, sometimes, you know, you just hear cases, funny cases of people um, where I think last year we were driving with my sister and she was like significantly like under the speed limit. <clears throat> you know, she was keeping to the speed limit. And somehow this speed, like the, the speed machine, right? The one that they were using, the speed gun, it was telling us that we're going, I think it was 123 kilometers per hour. And on Thika Road, which is a very big highway, like it's Thika Highway, it's um, connecting like two cities here um, are from Nairobi to Thika, obviously. Like it's a very big highway. And I think the speed limit is like 100 kilometers per hour. <clears throat> and um, I, it's not possible for us to have just been going that fast, like normally or casually. And I think like, you know, you just hear cases like that, you know, all of a sudden it results in a bribe. I'm not saying like, of course, we didn't bribe the, the, the lady. We eventually managed to talk sense. 
um, to the police because it didn't make sense. And obviously they could, like you could clearly see us in relation to other cars because other cars have passed us as well. <clears throat> but other cases in Nairobi, it's not even just bribing. <clears throat> it's like the reason why people also bribe is because the court fees are too expensive, right? Yeah, sure. So it's like even the system is working against you. It's literally like you're forced into some sort of bribery at one point mm-hmm. in your life, I'm pretty sure that almost every single Nairobian has had pay a, pay a bribe because you just don't have the money for the, the other alternative, which is to go through the, the proper route of going to court, right? So um, definitely, I think that this whole system is it's just basically either built on a power dynamic of, you know, uh, police and even just built on a power dynamic of police plus corruption. Yeah, there's police. You've brought up really excellent points. And Sadly, we have to bribe because here's the thing. It's, I'm not advocating for us to bribe, but here's the thing. You see the process of going to court is really, really hectic. Imagine having to pay the fine. Mm-hmm. That's if you're convicted. The fines are way too hefty for you to even think about it. And I understand why fines are usually hefty. That's supposed to keep you away or deter you from actually mm-hmm. doing that action. But half of the times when they actually even stop you, when they apparently, most of the times you find when they say, oh, you are speeding, you really weren't. You're keeping it within the speed limit. Yeah. You even have a speed governor installed in your car. You're like, no, here's yeah. the limit. It's at, let's say, 80 kilometers. I have not gone above that. And clearly, if I even go above that, the car will automatically go under that amount, that um, speed limit. And they're like, no, no, well, you did it. You did it. I have proof. Most of the times they don't. And they mm. will fabricate proof. They will fabricate proof. That's actually, another issue. And yeah, go on, and you, go on, sorry. They don't even adhere, sorry, they, they don't even adhere to the law. You'll find sometimes when they're arresting somebody for something like, um, mm-hmm. one activist I have to say I admire is Boniface Mon. He's always yeah. a speaker for the law. He goes by what he thinks or what he knows is right. So you'll find like, let's say when they're arresting somebody, they're like, well, you are speeding. The police actually are not supposed to drive your own car. You're the one who's supposed to drive it to the station, but they do mm. not inform you of these rights and these issues, you know? they go against the constitution. So if themselves they do not adhere to what the constitution says or what our law says, how do you even mm-hmm. expect the system to work? It's a broken system from the word go. So you'd have, you literally have no other choice but to bribe. Because you can imagine, I have to go, well, to the cell where they'll probably beat you up. Because I've had stories of people being beaten up in the cell when they're just, you know, waiting for someone to come for them. Mm-hmm. They're beaten up, money's taken from their wallet, they're stolen from. And these are sad realities we have to live with. That's yeah, it. fact. And I've heard so many different stories. I remember there was one, I think it was one lady who, one, one policeman was trying to bribe, to ask her to bribe, and he was getting into the car. And I remember it was literally like mob justice. And I don't know if like, this was trending on Twitter a while ago. And literally now mm-hmm. what happened was um, people got mad. They removed the policeman from the car. And then now that lady who posted it on Twitter, they raided her house without a warrant. And I think they had arrested her. I don't know what happened in that case, though. Uh, it just kind of went off Twitter. But, like, things like that, for sure, I'd say, like, especially in Kenya, it's just built on a whole system of bribery. And, of course, now you can even face the alternative. Sometimes it's even just, you don't even have the option of, exactly. of bribing. It's just, like, police brutality or nothing. And, like, I think that's very that's very interesting. And perhaps now, uh, as we're reaching, like, almost, like, the center mark of the podcast, I'd like us also to like explore how this can, how this is not just like a phenomenon that's unique to Kenya. Obviously, we've seen in the last, mm-hmm. <clears throat> the last few weeks, actually the last few years in the United States of America, we have clearly seen that police brutality is literally a feature of their livelihood on a daily basis, video after video. And it's obviously disproportionately, you know, affecting black uh, people, especially when they're unarmed. I think uh, I've been reading a few studies and uh, black people are more likely to, uh, for police to use non-fatal force. So like obviously like tasers, all that stuff. Um, obviously, even when they're unarmed, that's the main thing. So it's not just related to crime and all that stuff. So what what is your take, obviously, on the events of the last week involving George Floyd and obviously Breonna Taylor, all these different cases? What's your take on that? Um, I'd have to say, you know, here's the thing. I do not live in the U.S., so it's a bit hard to um, understand. Okay, I do not understand how the law works there, but I do understand, especially when someone is unarmed, generally, mm-hmm. <laughs> generally yeah. that this face force should not be used. I'm not a law, stu- law student, but I do know that. So moving on to the U.S., we have some major cases of police brutality. It's black people. 
It is black mm-hmm. people. Constantly, it is affecting black people. Good example. Look at this. When people were, most people who are protesting the, the social social isolation and social distancing thing was white people. Mm. When white people were protesting, going up to police officers' faces and all that, shouting at them and all, and being really really disrespectful. I do not remember seeing a white person being shot. Not at all. I do not mm. remember a single white person being shot. But when it's a black person, it's a different case. And the fact that we have to use videos, videos after videos to prove that these things are happening is sickening and disgusting. How many cases have we seen of like white women calling the police on black yeah. men for crimes they've not committed? Those are... I mean, recently in whatever in Central Park, Central Park, there was a white woman calling a poli- the police on an African American man for apparently harassing her. When clearly in the video she was not being harassed, and I'm like, I, yeah. do you want to be oppressed? Do you want to be oppressed? That's the question. <laughs> do you actually want to be oppressed? I'm sorry, yeah. I'm ranting, but like, I'm like, do you want to be oppressed? Because in the video. She yeah. was not even being harassed. All she, all this African American man wanted was for her to put a leash on her dog, and she did not want that. And she called the police officer nine one one, being so hysterical and all that. And I was like, "Wow, the acting! This is Oscar deserving! <laughs> wow, wow!" Facts. I mean, Facts. you could like, use this energy to fight for equal rights, but you're not doing that. Exactly, exactly. And I think it's 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 actually very dangerous in the U.S. because the thing is. What, what we, I made a video about this the other day, just talking about how she was essentially weaponizing her white privilege and trying to, you know, mm-hmm. basically just say, uh, like, you know, she emphasized on his race, oh, he's an African-American man and, he, and he's threatening my life. And I'm like, are you serious? Like, I'm so glad that she lost her job and now she's been crying that, oh my goodness, you know, you guys have ruined my life. Of course we ruined your life because you almost decided to use the cops as a death sentence on this other man. And I think it's even worse because, like, the thing is, there's two cases that disturb me the most. Eric Garner and, of course, George Floyd, right? This man was like, both of them were like, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. You know, and it's like a Mm -hmm. chokehold that is not really acceptable by any precinct standards in the U.S. I was researching all of this. And they just don't seem to end up in jail. Like, I think um, they've only arrested Derek, uh, I mean, the, the cop that actually killed George Floyd, right? They actually, they only arrested him tonight, right? And that's kind of crazy for me, right? And also for Eric Garner, that man is walking free, but the person who filmed the video ended up in jail. Isn't that ridiculous? It is ridiculous, and you brought up so many good points. Let me start off with the fact that you said that the white woman was um, victimizing herself and crying that people joined her life. Sweetheart, you're the one who ruined your life. The <laughs> minute that you picked up that phone and used your race to your advantage, you, that is the minute you ruined your life. Let's start off with that. I'm tired of white racist people coming on TikTok, coming on social media, saying that black Twitter or black people ruined their lives. The minute you decided to use the N-word, that's the minute you canceled yourself. End of story. Yeah. Moving on to George Floyd's case. If it were not for the outage on social media, do you think that police officer would have been arrested? No, the other policemen were busy watching him. They did not do anything to stop him. And I was watching it on CNN. Apparently, from the new police training, I remember it was either uh, instated in 2016 or something, they are actually allowed to, Mm -hmm. to step in in case they feel the other police officer is being brutal. And they did not do that. Instead, they were observing. What does that tell us about this, uh, the system there? What does it tell mm. us? Because you saw the video. They're like, there's one um, other Asian American, I believe, who was standing, not doing anything about it. Then there were other police officers, about four of them. They did not do mm-hmm. anything. And he said, I cannot breathe. George Floyd, in no way, was, uh, no way was he armed. There was Ahmed. Mm. Ahmed was not armed. The man was simply jogging. And you know what is annoying me with Ahmed's mm-hmm. case is how they're bringing up his past. Well, he did this, he did that. You've also done a lot of horrid things. So if you decided <laughs> to bring that up to justify your mother, would you be okay with that? No. The past yeah. does not justify his mother. Mm. It does not justify how he was killed. You cannot tell me you shot somebody three times. Okay, here's the thing. You know, if you're telling me you want to disarm somebody, yeah, shoot them in the leg. Somewhere it's not going to kill them. But you shoot them in areas you know it's going to kill them. Are you stupid? And you want to justify <laughs> that. And the fact that we have even support groups on Facebook yeah. for these murderers of, of Ahmed. Are you stupid? Are you mad? I need to understand what's <laughs> not clicking in your head. 
Yeah. So for what? <laughs> what exactly? What your white privilege? That's what you need support group for. That is what. <laughs> I think it's a very, I'm it's like, a very, it's a very controversial case in the sense that, like, I think obviously, like, when you look at the legalities of it. I think, let's face the facts, the reason why they chased him down was because he was black. And I say that with full confidence because there is video footage of so many people entering that construction site. And if these guys were really on the neighborhood watch, they should have chased down every single one of them. And then on top of that, you must realize with the way things are in the US, if some random white man pulls up to another black man, not even, not even one, not even two, not even three. Yeah, it's just three, right? One is telling you from behind and then the two are literally like boxing you in. It's like, what do you expect the guy to do? If he runs into another property, he's probably going to get shot for trespassing and there's no legal case there because of stand your ground laws. It's ridiculous. And even moving back to the case of uh, George Floyd, you've seen how angry people are, right? And a lot of people, when they talk about the riots, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's important to understand why people are rioting. Obviously, violence uh, towards other human beings is not justified. Um, and obviously, mm-hmm. when you're talking about um, violence, I'm talking about destruction of property, according to them, right? Why are people so mad? It's because the people like Eric Garner can literally go free. The people like the ones who killed Brianna Taylor cannot be charged, even though they kicked her door down and they shot her eight times. And guess what? It was the wrong house. And guess what? The guy that they were looking for was already in police custody. So for me in the US, it's just, it's a bit of trigger happiness. And um, the police are honestly, I'd say they're overarmed, they're undertrained, and it's, it's accumulating in, into now what's becoming mass murder of its citizens. It's actually really, exactly. really disgusting. Yeah, it's, go on. It's, it's disgusting. I, I mean, I'm just saying it's, it's become, it's, extremely disgusting that people are so pressed about black people black people will be just minding their own business yeah at this point and you will get shot you jog in your own neighborhood you get shot Mm-hmm. tell me what are black people supposed to do and we're not even trying to victimize ourselves in any form or shape i understand not mm-hmm. every white person on earth is like that i understand that but here's the thing when we say black lives matter then you come here you say all lives matter yeah i'm protesting <laughs> my protest what is that what is that <laughs> how am i supposed to feel when you're protesting your how you know that's the thing if yeah. all lives matter why does my life not matter to you since I'm yeah. black, why am I discriminated like this? Make me understand it. Yeah. Because no, I think, sorry, 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 sorry. No, just go on, just go on. <laughs> no, yeah. it's okay. Like. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I really just wanted to comment on, on that in specific. I think when people mention all lives matter, I think obviously people, first of all, there's, there's a couple of things that I hate that people do when we're talking about black lives matter. So people often mention, oh yeah, you know, well, 13% of black people commit 50% of the crime. Then they also show these funny statistics. Although they are true, right? They're basically giving us a red herring argument. They're telling us, oh yeah, but there's more black on black crime. But let me ask you, are we killing other black people because they're black? No, right? No, but there have been studies, right? Although there, there are some contradictory studies, right, in relation to black violence in America. We know for a fact that more unarmed white people are killed by the police, right? But why is that, right? It's because of the population. And there's some studies that have been done and I've been reading a couple of them in relation to the population of black people and all that stuff, um, unarmed black people as well, and the encounters with the police. And we can, if we use that uh, population as a marker or as a benchmark as well, what we clearly see is that black people are at least two to three times more likely to be shot while unarmed by police officers compared to like, you know, white people. Right. And mm-hmm. um, even that just comes down to another stat, uh, which is that 1.6, I mean, yeah, sorry, black people are 1.6 times more likely to be unarmed than white people. And like people are even forgetting about the cases that involve, you know, mental health and all of these different things. And now, police are going in there armed expecting what and the person is unarmed as well so obviously like yeah i see what people are trying to say but statistics are not 
winners of arguments. It's all about interpreting the statistics, right? And mm-hmm. obviously, the, what I see in my view is that there are studies that show some form of racial bias. And obviously, that means that pro- police brutality is disproportionately affecting black people. It's a huge issue. It is a huge issue. And you know, the thing is, I am tired of us like ignoring the fact that it is a race issue. A lot of people want to cover it. Well, he was doing ABCD. He was doing ABCD. Just acknowledge the fact that there's power dynamics in there. That this was a white police officer. Most of the time, it's a white police officer attacking an innocent black man or an unarmed mm-hmm. black man. I understand not in all cases was it an innocent black man, but that does not justify murder. It does mm. not justify murder when it is an unarmed black man who was not even threatening the life of a police officer. It does not justify it in any form or shape. And I'm really, really tired of hearing these arguments on TikTok, on Twitter, on any social media platform possible. I'm really tired of it. So what I feel that needs to be done is that white people actually need to accept or acknowledge the fact that they do have privilege and do something about it. So mm. I am questioning the fact that there are not as many white people who like using the N-words, who like the N-word, who like black fishing and all that, who are not speaking up. Where are you right now? You know? Facts. Where are our kings? And where is Woviki? Wo I need to, where is she? I thought she was <laughs> half black or she was fully black. Where is she? I yeah. need her to speak. I need her to speak up for the black community. Where is she right now? You know? You want to take our aesthetics. Mm. You want to take our looks and all that. But you're not willing to take the pain that comes with it. I need mm-hmm. all the actors and, and models who've been looking half black on Instagram to actually speak up about police brutality. A. B, I need all the white people to acknowledge the privilege that they have for being white in the US. Mm. I need them to do that. And once you acknowledge that privilege, I want you to do something about it. I want you to take that into action and say, you know what, it is not fair that I have privilege because I'm white. And you know what, I'm also tired of the argument of white people say, well, white privilege does not exist because it's not helped me in getting into high schools or like, you know, <laughs> I don't know, I've, I've suffered in my life. <clears throat> Accept the fact that race is never an issue for you. Black people also go through mm. other things that are not determined by race, but they also have their race to deal with. So I'd appreciate if you do not say that white privilege does not exist because it clearly does. I am not blind. I'm also not <laughs> stupid. Yeah. I can think. So... You know, that I'd appreciate if they did that. Yeah. I think and you also brought out the point of mental health. When you said mm-hmm. that, I started thinking of school shootings and how whenever is a Muslim who does it, it is, it is a terrorist attack. Yeah. Yeah. But actually, you know, there's an interesting t- statistic. And if, if, if white people are really using this argument, you know, I think that we should start doing <laughs> this to like counter. Obviously, I don't agree with this argument, but this is what they argue right? The same way they're like, oh yeah, not all, t- not, not, all, not all Muslims are terrorists, but all terrorists are Muslims. So let's see that, let's apply that to the idea of school shootings. White people are responsible for over 58% of all the mass shootings in the United States of America, right? That's almost six out of 10 times it'll be a white person, right? So should we not start clamping on black teenagers and like, should we not be scared of them? All these different things. It's like, that's what these guys are basically saying about black people. It's like, oh yeah, so since you guys commit, I don't know, 50% of the crime, we can reasonably assume that you guys are basically all criminals. That's what they're trying to push the narrative. So if we're using that same argument, I want to hear white people talk about the fact that 58% of them, I mean, sorry, uh, they cause uh, 58% of all the mass shootings in the US. And my source is actually Sky News, right? They took it from a different mm-hmm. source. Yeah. When you said that, it has reminded me of Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie's TED Talk, The Danger of a Single Story. She mm. said a very good thing. There was, someone, there was someone in her, whatever, who pointed out that, you know what, um, like her story was not African enough and all that. And she replied with, well, you know, white people are, oh wait, this, sorry, this person said that, you know, it's sad that Nigerian men are really abusive and all. And then she said, it's sad that all white men are criminals. So why mm. she did that or why she, she replied like that is to prove the fact that they, white people have not been given a single story. We've been told white people can be successful, white people can mm. be terrorists too, white people can create and innovate. But with black people, we are viewed as criminals and that's it. We're not given more than one story. You see mm. a black person, you, see, you think of crime. 
and that's the issue that's part of the issue you see a black person you see crime you're not taught to also uh, we're not showing black excellence that much on tv we don't see them showing us or showcasing black success, successful people for example i'm trying to think of the name of this neighbor sergeant i don't agree with this um police officers, but <laughs> yes <laughs> go on go on yeah. <laughs> but he is an excellent neuro sergeant and i cannot take that away from him mm-hmm. let's show more of that let's show that black people can be more than just criminals so when they want to bring that argument up let's uh, let's not forget that the fact that they've been given a chance for more than one story they have more than one story to them and we don't view them as criminals as they've been given more than one story. And right. we can, we are tired of the discrimination. I can imagine someone who's black, someone who's Muslim, black Muslim woman, like, you know, we yeah. just, it's already a struggle. It's already a struggle being black in the U.S. So I cannot imagine someone who falls into all those three categories plus being an immigrant and all that. It's already tired. You get tired, it's be done. Yeah. You know? No, I, I definitely agree with you. And I think even when you, when you start to compute those values into the idea of um, police brutality, I mean, like, this all this subconscious bias, you know, that's being instilled mm-hmm. in the minds of not just the American people and the Karens and the Johnnies, right? Um, we're literally finding them now in police officers and obviously there is a disparity um even despite the crime people should be asking where that crime comes comes from obviously uh that's economic inequality that has been there since even even like during segregation it's been through there so i definitely like i think that just as um as black people we we do have to be careful especially when we're when we're abroad in these areas obviously in the u.s even sometimes in the UK, just because like people don't really realize that white privilege could possibly actually cost us our lives. For some people, it definitely has. Um, imagine calling the cops on it someone has. and just saying that, you know, oh yeah, an African-American man is threatening my life. Imagine if that, that ended up differently. We could have had like two bodies uh, this week and that would have been very, very unfortunate. There was, I don't know if you saw that case, but there was um, a white woman who claimed that two African-American men had drowned her autistic son. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was a sick story. It was so disgusting. And what would bring a human to do something like that? I was so disgusted. Now, let me tell you, this story disgusted me to so many levels. First off, you don't do that to someone who has autism. Autism is not a choice. It's not like you wake up one morning and Mm -hmm. go like, oh, yeah, let me have autism spectrum disorder because it is an interesting disorder. Let me just have that. No one decides that. If you're not Mm -hmm. ready to take care of a special needs child, just say it. It's really that simple. Mm -hmm. Just say it. You know, give give your child to someone who is able to take care of them because the people who are very willing to take care of someone with autism spectrum disorder. I've encountered people with autism spectrum disorder and they're one of the loveliest people that I've ever met. Mm. Have the most genuine souls. I remember one boy I went to with to primary school he had autism if I'm not wrong. I remember he mm. had this smile that would cheer up my day. Like he would just say, Hi Michelle or to me on the quiet oh. And I remember I would be so happy. He had like the most genuine smile or when I would be so mad about something and because I was head girl and, t- and sometimes someone has done really some, something really really stupid <laughs> and you're like Michelle don't, don't be mad about it and the fact that he was discriminated against because he had autism really dis- it disgusted me mm. it disgusted me and the fact that you choose to drown your own blood mm. there's, there's so many layers of evil on that to that story that I just I don't even know where to begin you know you choose to drown your own son then mm. you claim it is two african-american uh men because you know the biased mindset that the police already have towards african-american or black mm-hmm. men you know it's it's yeah. so disgusting you know, to choose to do, do that by the way what are your thoughts on the word karen or the name karen is it as offensive as the n-word um <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll answer, then I'll head back to police brutality. <laughs> Obviously, like, that's the last bit, because uh, we're about to close off. But I think it's important as well when it comes into the debate. But yeah, like Karen, the fact that you can say Karen and not the N-word, right? You have to say the N-word literally shows how powerful of a word it is. And I'm sorry, but any white person that thinks that Karen is as, as abusive as the N-word 
right? When it's used by white people, and I highlight that bit, when it's used by white people, they need to take a quick history lesson of the 89 years of segregation, the more than 200 years of colonialism, the more than mm. 400 years of slavery. That's what they need to take account of. And but they obviously, say it's, it's a sexist word. It's a sexist word, apparently. Wow, it's literally just talking about a white woman. <laughs> and we're thinking of finding one for white males as well. But I think for them, it's just white <laughs> cis males. <laughs> that's literally it. <laughs> that's literally I feel like that's the epitome insult. of like privilege. People say, oh, yeah. White cis males. Like, oh, yeah, always cis males. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like, uh, we're not trying to, like, I, I think one people, I mean, one thing people also forget is, like, when we're talking about things like Black Lives Matter and we're protesting against things like pr- police brutality, we don't hate white people. We hate white privilege. And um, the fact that, yeah, and we hate racist white people too, right? And the fact that, um, obviously, you know, we just were out here trying to tell people that you are in some way benefiting from a system that you don't even know about. And mm-hmm. in some countries, it's more pronounced than other countries. So it's quite, it's quite ridiculous to just see like some people denying all of that or like some people even like some people were just trying to justify this whole George Floyd thing. And I'm like, really? It's like, how do you justify murder? Like you can't, you cannot justify murder. Even like people just seem to forget that all of these cases, like so many of these cases, people haven't been brought to justice and they are strangling people. It's like, imagine just not okay, knowing, you know, any, you know? Yeah, go on. You know, what do you forget? Sorry, um, sorry for interrupting. You know the whole judge Floyd thing. If, if or not for social media, I do not think this police officer would have been arrested. What had initially been done is that he had just been fired. Imagine killing a person Mm. and the punishment is getting fired. If it were not for the outrage on social media, I do not think it would have reached a point where it would have been taken into police custody. I do not think it would have reached that point. So. We do not hate white people. I think what people confuse being pro-black and being um, supporting the Black Lives Matter movement does not mean we hate white people. We hate white privilege. And I think people need mm-hmm. to distinct that. We're not attacking you um, because you are white. We're attacking we, or The reason why you feel attacked is because you're benefiting of white privilege and you don't want to let go of that bit. And that's why I'm actually mm-hmm. appreciating the white allies who are taking their time to actually raise awareness on this and talk about this whole issue. And I, I honestly appreciate seeing that on my timeline. I enjoy seeing that white allies too are just speaking against what's generally wrong. Facts, facts. I think it's, it's a beautiful thing for me to see. And the fact that in Minneapolis, you think about it this way, a whole city had to burn down for one man to be brought to justice. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like even there's a statistic that I read somewhere that even like, police spend more time investigating um, black cases than they do white cases. And even like um, another study from the University of Michigan found that uh, black people are 50% more likely to be innocent of a murder charge than a white person, like after they've been convicted. So keep in mind, they've already gone to jail for something that they haven't done, right? And a black person in jail for murder is 50% more likely to be innocent than a white person. And I want us to link that again to like this whole idea of police bias, police brutality. In the, in the US, it's very racially biased. Like that's why like even like the most scary statistics, it's like the fact this whole war on drugs in quotes is technically just like a, an unjust war on black people. Let me tell you why. Mm-hmm. Right? In the US, um, there is a statistic that an innocent black person is 12 times more likely to be put in jail compared to like for a drug charge compared to white people. So obviously this is basically then, like, you know, it's manifesting itself in these statistics. And this obviously like, you know, where police brutality might also come from. It's like, you know, people have bottled up anger or they have some sort of racial bias towards black people. And this results in obviously, you know, the bias that you're seeing in the whole judicial system and the, the corrupt police system where people like the murderers of Aragon have not been brought to justice. Mm-hmm. I have, like, for me, I, you've brought up really good points, but at the end of it all, I keep on questioning, why do white people hate us so much? Like, what have we done to white people to deserve <laughs> this much hate? I'm, I'm being really, really honest right now. I do not understand why they hate black people this much. You know, we, we just hated for existing, you know, the... Mm-hmm. The, K- the KKK is the KKK is still alive, <laughs> sadly. 
It's not even banned Blackface, by the government, which is ridiculous. How it hasn't been banned, I do not know. People mm-hmm. have the Confederate flags and just walking around and it's okay. And <laughs> it's the like, heritage, yeah. Apparently. It's, it's apparently. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> I like man. how we would say it apparently. <laughs> I just want to know, why, why do you hate? I need to understand the process of managing to just hate a human being for being black. Just you know what I find you know what I find really ironic is the fact that we have sent human beings to the moon, but we still can't figure out that skin color does not determine the depth of your character. True, because I mean I've met black people who manage to annoy the living hell out of me. I, <laughs> right? It's a fact. Like you know, it's not <laughs> you know, like the thing is, people forget that it's just not your skin color that determines your personality. There's a lot more that goes into determining your personality. Yeah. Again, between the ages of two to five are uh, when your character forms. So uh, what you mm-hmm. are influenced with by around those ages will determine your personality. And I know you've encountered black people that you don't like, mm. sadly. I mean, I've encountered people of all kinds that I don't like. <laughs> Exactly. And you just don't like them because of their race. It's not like you don't like them because of their race. You don't like them because of their personality. So I mm-hmm. really want to understand why we've not been able to solve the issue of racism. Because here's the thing, you know, I get tired of people saying, like, you guys need to stop talking about race and more. Like, it's tiring yeah. and all that. I'm like, it's tiring for us too. We're really tired of talking about it. But as long as these crimes keep on going on, we'll have to, we'll have to talk about it. Mm. And I want to just briefly talk about bias before we close off right Mm -hmm. i posted a video and like you know this is the thing like i wish we could document racism more because it's the only way that some of these conservatives especially in the u.s will listen and the fact that obviously you can go on twitter and on tiktok or instagram and you will see blatant racism for your eyes i posted a video tiktok especially tiktok right i posted a tiktok video um Thank God it was my it, it was it was about racism. I was trying to educate people about the old cartoons. You know those old cartoons from Looney Tunes, all of that stuff, right? So I was, that's I was trying to do that, and it got I think it was roughly like it's on two hundred and fifty thousand views now. And when I go through the comments, there's literally people being like, "Oh yeah, you know, uh, literally just that, that's what I mean. It's something funny, you know, and like people like stop victimizing yourself. Black people always want to make it about them, all this and that. But the way they drew these people, they drew them like monkeys, and that's the problem. If you dehumanize people, and I've talked about this before, right? That's the first step of dehumanization. Imagine as a kid, you're watching that cartoon, you'll think that all your black mm-hmm. friends, in quotes, uh, friends, and I'm putting this in like quotation marks. Right, you're all your black friends are monkeys, and what is what can you do with monkeys that you can't do with humans? You can use them for experiments. Mm-hmm. You can kill them. It doesn't matter. It's just a monkey. It doesn't have the same rights as you. And basically, obviously, mm-hmm. people might be like, "Oh, Adnan, that's a slippery slope fallacy." But that's exactly what happens. It's called social media program, social media programming, and it's propaganda that, that that's why it's so effective when you know people control the media, right? So obviously now, imagine if you're a cop growing up watching that, right? Obviously, there is subconscious bias, right? And it might influence mm-hmm. the way in which you view black people in generally, especially even if they're unarmed, right? It might just, there might be some bottled up racial anger that you don't even know about that you're taking out on an innocent black person. That is a sad reality that we're living in. And when you mentioned cartoons, I remember re-watching this clip from an old cartoon. I do not remember which cartoon it was. But I remember in this cartoon, this character was black. And then this character was a female. So she, mm-hmm. her water, her, her hair, sorry, her hair touched water. And then it turned into oh, this yeah, wings. big... Yeah. This, yeah. Sadly, thank, thank God I actually never watched that show. But anyway, her hair turned into this... <laughs> big beautiful afro and then she, her friends were like oh my god what is that what is that and she was so yeah. annoyed or sad that her hair had turned into this afro and I, and I was like this is why a lot of black people have a lot of internalized self-hate i know this episode we're not about talking about internalized self-hate in black people mm. but i now understand why because growing up i don't i'd never had natural hair my hair was constantly relaxed and i actually did the big chop mm. in 2018 i cut off all my hair and actually started growing my hair naturally and when i hear mm you know, black people or black females, especially saying, oh my God, I hate my hair or like I hate the fact that my hair is this curly. I understand why, because constantly you're being depicted as this thing that 
is subhuman. That is what we're constantly mm. depicted as a subhuman. And I feel like that's why some people, I'm not even trying to justify it. I'm just trying to understand where people with this white supremacist mindset come, are coming from. You know, that's yeah. why they probably hate black people. They have this internalized hate about them that we see them as these disgusting creatures, these monkeys, you know, as you're seeing. Mm. We're seeing as subhumans, we're seeing as experiments. You can remember just recently in April, was it, when the French doctors made a remark on trying out the vaccines in on Africa? Africans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, where does that even come from, is my question. And like, and you, even... You know, again, I... Mm-hmm. Go on, it's okay. It's okay. I, <laughs> no, sorry, it's it's fine. You can you can finish off. I think. <laughs> sorry, um, I was reading about medical biases in the U.S. How black patients are more likely to be taken less seriously than oh, wow. white patients. You you didn't know that about even Serena Williams talked about it when she was giving birth and how she almost lost her life. And here's the thing, I, was, I remember because I'm actually really into medicine and I remember seeing, even reading into the past of medicine and all that and black people were used as experiments and when they were used, they would not be, <coughs> sorry, <coughs> they would not be given anesthesia simply because they believe that black people are not able to feel that much pain. Gosh. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Wow. Yeah, I need you to understand that bit. But That's so ridiculous. Black patients are less likely. Yeah. So, I mean, welcome to our world as black people. So don't say we're victimizing ourselves. It's something that exists. Yeah. No, I think the main reason that the the whole narrative, obviously people might be asking, how is this related to police brutality at all? Like the main narratives we're trying to push here is the systematic demonization. And actually speaking of which, my sister literally just sent me mm. a post and I'll send you the post as well. I wish I could bring it up. Mm. Uh, I don't know if I'm able to share my screen. No, I don't. It's okay because it's a podcast. I mean, I wish it was like a video proper thing. But like <laughs> literally, like there's this advert, right? Um, of I think, I don't know which company it was, but they took it down very recently. It was very, I think it was today or something like that. Extremely racist. So it was, it was talking about, oh yeah, you know, black and white, like unity, right? Basically, they were showing a white hand shaking a black hand, but this black hand was so black, right? And it's not like being like extremely black is an issue, but it was so black that even the nails were black, which is not natural, right? And even mm. the palms were black. How do you have black palms? Like, well, that's just not, no one has black palms. I'm pretty sure no one has black mm. palms, right? And like, basically, even stuff like that, it's just like, you know, you're basically contrasting perfection with something that you're trying to make subhuman, right? So whether it's through cartoons, whether it's through media, whether it's through the media narrative of, oh yeah, black on black violence, you know, it's black culture to just be inherently violent and to commit crime, all of these different things. It's like a culture issue. That's what Ben Shapiro is like pushing forward. And I didn't like the way it came out of his mouth. I don't think it's a culture issue. I think it's something to do more with like the economic, um, obviously the economic surroundings. Because if you know, like leading the leading cause of crime worldwide has to be economic, like poverty, right? All that stuff. So I hate when people try and make it about culture. I bet if it was the other way around when it had to do with white people, no one would be like, oh yeah, no, it's white culture to be inherently, you know, violent, all this other stuff. It doesn't really make sense to me. So basically, when you're demonizing people through a systematic narrative and policemen and women feed into that narrative and are brainwashed by that narrative, you might actually find that there is, and I am of the opinion, due to a couple of studies, um, that there is disproportionate, like, you know, disparities when it comes to shooting unarmed black people or even exerting force on black people in general. It doesn't matter if they've committed crime or not. Like, the police generally could be harsher and are harsher in the U.S. with black people. It's a sad reality, I'm telling you. You know, it's... There's, it exists, racial bias exists in the police system, in the judicial system, in the, you know, you brought up the fact that a black man is more likely to go to jail for a crime they didn't commit. It exists in the medical world. Mm. And it's, it's something that needs to come and it needs to come to an end. It's, it's really tiring. Definitely. And I think, obviously, I think we're about to head, um, we're about to close here, but, um, if there's anything last, like, I mean, if there's anything that you want to say just in the last few minutes, 
Uh, any last closing comments? Well, it's police brutality. We've talked about Kenya specifically. We've also talked about the states because it's very relevant. Um, is there any like closing statements you'd like to just make before we close off? Yeah, sure thing. Okay, for any Kenyan hearing this, I do not think that... Um, you know, there's a lot of this thing going on on social media, especially Twitter, that, oh, yeah, well, Kenyans are talking about, like, um, police brutality in the U.S., yet they're not talking about police brutality in Kenya. We actually have this conversation almost on the daily in Kenya. You have people mm. being outraged on Twitter about police brutality here in Kenya. So we can, you cannot simply dictate that we have to talk about one issue. We can actually give both issues attention. You know, it's something that is going on. And it is a human rights issue. It's a, it's a human rights issue because someone's life is being brought to an end when it didn't deserve that. So we can't talk about such issues. And to any white person who's listening to this, you don't hate white people. You just want <laughs> to end white privilege. That's it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, we're tired of the stereotypes. Too. We're really tired of the stereotypes. And I have experienced the stereotypes of when you're like, you know, the loud ghetto black woman you know, when you have your braids on and you're too opinionated, you're loud. Mm. You're, you're loud. That's that's it. When you have the braids, get off. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really tiring. Yeah, and, no, I definitely agree with you. And, like, just even noting on that, I think it just comes when, people, when Kenyans <clears throat> tell us that, oh, yeah, you know, we're talking about all of this, uh, but we're forgetting some of the minor in Kenya. I don't think people are forgetting but I get really mad. Even I saw another post about this. People are talking about, oh yeah, you know what? Um, Muslims can be so mad about a black man being mar- being murdered in um, what's it called in the U.S. But you can't get mad when you know people are being killed in the Middle East. And I'm just like, guys, what is this? What about Right? It it really makes me extremely mad because of the fact that injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere so i have a right mm-hmm. to speak on injustices that are happening to our, remember there are black brothers and sisters that were taken against their will right to the u.s mm-hmm. and obviously now the descendants of those people right these are black brothers and sisters that have unfortunately been put in a very compromising situation and even if you're not related through race religion whatever they are human beings who are having their rights infringed upon. And that enough is, is for me to start commenting on something. So without further ado, guys, I just want to thank you so much for tuning in. I'd love to thank the Nilotic Princess as well <laughs> for, for coming through <laughs> and uh, sharing her valuable voice. Please be sure to go and follow her on TikTok as well. Her TikTok handle is I am Abiero. And I hope I've, I haven't like, butchered your name. <laughs> but yeah, guys, go ahead. Go ahead. Right. Amazing content. Amazing content on that. And without further ado, thank you guys so much. And we'll see you next time.